Welcome to What the If. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> what if I hit the wrong button? That happens. Well, then you know you have to hit this button. Okay, here we go. Welcome. Welcome to What the If. I'm Philip Shane, a documentary filmmaker, and I'm here. We're playing the music live on the show for the first time, so anything could happen. I feel kind of like someone should be pulling back a red curtain, and we're stepping out onto stage now. And a we are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thrilling. Stanley, how are you? Uh, I am alive and uninfected, so that is the best I can hope for these days. Wow. Wow. It would suck to be dead and infected. <laughs> well, um, that would be kind of an unfortunate twofer. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good to know. That's mm-hmm. good to know. And I hope everyone who's listening is all right as well. Um, we have a lot of you out there, as, uh, as I've been saying each, each week, uh, you guys are far, far flung all around the world we have an amazing international audience so uh email us and let us know how you're doing um feedback at what the if.com is the email and i want to encourage you to do that and um while i'm here i'll just mention if you can leave us a review and rate us on whatever podcast you're listening to whatever podcast app you're using that would be fantastic but now i'm very excited to bring in and i'm going to let matt you introduce our very special guest this week. My impression is that you have some kind of special relationship. There is, as... there is some kind of entangled history between us, yes. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so our, our, our guest today is Professor David Kaiser of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Um, and uh, Dave is not only one of the smartest people I know, but also one of my favorite people. That is, if you had to pick sort of a person to be stuck on a subatomic particle with, he'd be a good guy for it. Um, although I should say I always feel a little, let's see here, what's the right way to say this? Um, uh, uh, my ego takes a bit of a hit whenever I hang out with Dave, because Dave is is just like me, except better in every way. <laughs> so anything anything I'm good at, Dave's a little bit better at. And anything I'm, you can do, he can and do I'm not. I'm not bitter about this. I've I've made my peace with this some years ago, um, but just uh, just just you know, so you know. Um, so, Dave, you are also a black belt. Uh, no, no, not even close. Uh, and that's and the list is going to get longer from there of all the ways that what Matt said is is thoroughly, obviously incorrect. <laughs> Sweet, but totally wrong. Uh, yeah. So, Dave and I go way back to um, uh, grad school. Um, when we have uh, t- tackled similar scholarly topics. Um, and uh, Dave is both a cosmologist, um, a practicing physicist, and a historian of science, um, all rolled into one, um, which is really quite uh, an amazing and rare thing. And he's wow. got a new book out um, full of his essays on matters physical and matters historical, I believe titled Quantum Legacies. That's is, right. Is yes. there a cool subtitle? Uh, well, there's a subtitle, I and mean, so you know the listeners can weigh in about mm-hmm. the coolness factor. But the the full title is "Quantum Legacies: Dispatches from an Uncertain World." And you see what I did there with the, with the uncertainties. Uh, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, and Dave has, in addition to his new book, "Quantum Legacies," which I should say is fantastically readable. 
Um, so anybody interested in either science or history on a professional or popular level um, should read it. I think it's a fantastic introduction to uh, the way you can think about science in all sorts of different interdisciplinary um, humanistic ways. Um, so it's really a huge amount of fun. Good beach reading. Not that any of us will get to go to the beach this summer, but it's there. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we'll put a link to uh, to it on our website as well, whattheif.com. Go there and uh, you'll be able to click on it there. So um, our if this week, Matt, is... Well, so uh, this is... So the quantum world is weird. Right. That's what, by the way, that's what that pause you heard, audience. That's what's called pimping your co host out. <laughs> we call it the business, we call pimping, which is, you know, the technical term. Yeah. Putting them on the spot un unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. um, so which just wouldn't think, happen in, in the scenario we're about to jump into. We wouldn't have had that. That's right. In fact, this, this entire if was set up to prevent that pause <laughs> exactly um so next week when you listen to this there won't be that won't be there <laughs> um so there's this kind of weird actually no i was about to say i was about to use a word that pro would probably make dave upset so i'm not gonna do it um the quantum world is weird right um there's this, uh, it does all kinds of different things once you get small. Um, and some of Dave's recent research has shown that these things also apply on very big scales too, like the scale of the entire universe. Um, but people often ask like, well, if the uncertainty principle is real um, or things are or particles or waves, why can't I see that happen? Why can't I see this quantum weirdness in my everyday life? And usually we have to wave our hands and say, well, it only applies to things that are very small or very special circumstances. And I can build you a machine that'll show it. Um, but we thought for today, we'd um, we'd scale up the quantum weirdness a little bit uh, and see if maybe we could see some of those strange properties uh, with an if. That is, uh, what if um, we could entangle our brains? What the if? <laughs> we could entangle our brains. Before we even go there, I want to start just make sure we don't lose anyone too fast. So even just a super, super basic thing, quantum mechanics, we are talking about the zone of the region of atoms. Of atoms and of parts of atoms. As Matt was saying, people have gotten pretty good at scaling up from there, you know, molecules, even many, many molecules, but still much smaller than you and me, much smaller than than even Matt's really quite wonderful, large and fully functioning brain. I felt the need to put a plug in there <laughs> for Matt's sake. Um, so that's right. So the we will provide a link to Matt's brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Then entanglement. This is a thing that it, it's it's a it's a. Oh, some of the words uh, that have been used, you know, the terms that have been come up, uh, have come, been invented or whatever for quantum mechanics are obtuse, difficult, or even um, sound ordinary and understandable, but really they're not, like spin, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, but entanglement is a great, uh, it just has a, a, a magical flavor to it. It's so yeah. evocative. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So entanglement is this just totally delicious idea. I mean, I I love it. I mean, I I really, I kind of can't get enough. And I I'm in uh, very good company these these days because it's 
front of mind for many, many, many physicists and engineers really in, all over the world. Um, many, many people working on aspects of this. And it describes this fantastic sounding scenario, kind of mind-bending scenario. Um, mind-bending when we try to relate it to human-scaled things at least. Where t two or more bits of matter, again, think about elementary particles like electrons, that, it that have been prepared in a certain way, uh, but in a way that now is kind of easy to do in laboratories. Uh, it's not that part no longer feels so magical. So you have to, you know, do a certain set of procedures, follow a recipe, prepare these particles a certain way, shoot them out in opposite directions. And we can do this not just with electrons or atoms, but even with individual particles of light called photons. And photons have the property of moving at the speed of light because they're light. I mean, they really will zoom, you know, as, as fast as anything possibly could. We can zoom. And to be clear, we're not, we're just, just make sure we're, we're not creating these particles. They exist, but you're bringing two together and then doing something to them. There or? are a bunch of ways to do it. But the way that my own yeah. group has done it actually was, in a sense, we are creating. We, we, we have a pump laser, a phrase I never tire of saying. It just sounds like, <laughs> that already sounds like action figure to me. Hey, you know, please bring that pump laser over here. I got to, she's like a flex capacitor. So we have a big, so we, in that sense, we are, we, we are, we are lazing. We're creating um, the photons. What we do is we shine a very particular color. We tune the output of the laser to be just right. And it's actually in the visible. Our human eyes would be sensitive to it. It's a beautiful purple. It's a lovely shade. So you could see it. And then those shine into a little piece of plastic, a special piece of plastic, a kind of crystal that has the really wonderful property that it absorbs light of a very particular color and it emits two particles of light coming out so that the total energy adds up to what had come in but instead of having one come in and one come out, you have one come in and then two come out. And that's uh -huh. sort of so we're so we that's as we really are creating the entangled particles in our particular experiments. Right. Um, that's right. And then and they're particles of light. They're gonna zip, you know, at, at the speed of light. And we can arrange it, as we've done in our experiments, to have them zip off in, in opposite directions as fast as anything could go, right? And they're going to zoom, 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 zoom. We're going to, they're going to cover, you know, half a kilometer in uh, just over a millionth of a second. Just get, get right. our heads around that. Yeah. And you know, that's how, you know, light, light goes. Light can travel one foot in a billionth of a second. So give it a couple billionths, it's going to, you know, it's going to travel, right? It's going to get pretty far. All right. So the peculiarness here is that um, when you've got a pair of entities, say two photons that are entangled in this way, um, you can do measurements on one of them and get information about the other one, even if that would be physically impossible otherwise. And and that's what really rankled people like like Einstein. To mm -hmm. Einstein, really, the, one of the main lessons of relativity um, is that local causes should have only local effects. If I bang on my table here, then the immediate area that I just banged on will be affected. And then that effect can propagate out, but it will take time to move further away. Okay. So I can learn that, that I, or you know, my, my family can learn that I banged on the table because the, my banging the table here will shake some atoms, will shake its neighboring atoms, shake the <laughs> neighboring atoms, and it'll be propagated through the air as a sound wave. So it's not that we can never learn about something far away, but we shouldn't be able to learn about something far away arbitrarily quickly. It's in fact, as I'm sure everyone knows, Einstein in a, in a follow-up letter in the mid-1940s to his very dear friend Max Born, another pioneer of quantum mechanics, said, how could you still believe this stuff this is spooky action at a distance. And as I always say, that's much harsher in the German. I mean, it really is just like, it's, <laughs> wow. it's, it's just, you know, 
trash talk. It's tra- it's 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 trash talk among displaced emigre German physicists. I mean, so you have to <laughs> put all that in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it really, to Einstein, this was, this was ghost stories. This wasn't mm-hmm. physics. All right. So if we're sure that the world does work this way, that is that Einstein is wrong, right? There actually what is. The if? <laughs> what if? What Einstein if, is wrong. How do we use this strange property um, to make a better James Bond movie, which is really what uh, this is all about, right? Because we have to get some funding from somewhere. That is exactly right. And the CIA and so, seems like the logical place to go, right? You are in very, very good company, <laughs> Professor Stanley, as of course you know. It's true. So so this notion of entanglement, which is so hard to not just love, right, I, I think, it's had a funny history in the physics community where it was kind of deeply unloved or at least neglected for a long time, for periods of time. It kind of waxed and waned. And at one of the times when it was not forefront for many uh, colleagues' uh, minds, when other topics seemed to be more pressing, there was a curious group of kind of marginal physicists that I I wrote about in an earlier book uh, who were based mostly in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, And they were... uh, eager to truly try to explore exactly these questions. What are the implications of entanglement? Do we understand it well? Is it in conflict with Einstein's, Einstein's relativity? It certainly looked like it might be. It was a pretty open question. And some of those, some members of that group wanted to push it even further exactly in the enterprising direction that Matt has suggested. They wanted to build real devices to exploit entanglement uh, on a kind of human scale. So one idea which was actually subject of a patent disclosure filing, it was not a patent that was ever granted, but it was actually you know, written down and neatly typed, sent to, um, to the Commissioner of Patents and Trademarks in 1978, was to use this phenomenon to basically conduct um, espionage, or as they called it, ESP, like extrasensory perception, ESP. Espionage, because because they were they were fun loving and they were having a good time and they were also the cold the cold war was the great era of the pun yeah the cold, yep. <laughs> and so the idea was that they that they some of them had not all not the whole group but that was pursued by by uh, some members was to exploit this connectedness at a distance this heart of entanglement by somehow arranging for some molecules in the brain of a CIA agent or some sort of you know spook putting the spook back in spooky action at distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, they write themselves, where's your drum kit? <laughs> I mean, anyway, I feel better. So, so, so coordinate the molecules, some molecules in the brain of, of a field agent, coordinate them with, in, with molecules in the brain of that agent's handler at like CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia, wherever it was. And then they, it, the idea was, it turns out it will not work, but the, the proposal was those that people would then enjoy instant unbroken communication because their brains had been entangled, just as Matt had set us up for at the start of this uh, discussion. Then you send the field agent off to spy at that era would have been probably you know, somewhere in the Soviet Union, a prime target. And instead of trying to kind of smuggle messages back out, whether it's, you know, like the get smart phone in, in the in the shoe or whatever it would be, they wouldn't have to worry about that because they'd be instantly connected. Now, for this to work, this is quoting literally from the patent disclosure. Uh, the, the, the author of that said um, that this would work between an intelligence agent and his headquarters. They would use uh, this entanglement. And to get their brains to be co- coordinated, they would use correlated psychoactive molecules such as LSD, affecting the neurotransmitter chemistry. So not only do you have entangled field agent and headquarters, they're both hopped up on LSD, clearly thinking uh, straight, 
Well, at least one of us went into into harm's way. So this was they would be having a shared trip. It was indeed. A, well, one of them was was one was traveling, but they had a shared trip. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> the the patent was not was not granted. I want to be clear, and it wasn't granted for very for very good reasons. It was actually. I mean, I, I love that example because it's first of all super clever. I think it's actually a really lovely idea. In that same patent disclosure, the author said we could also use this technique, or he proposed using this technique for deep space communication. This is the early yeah. days in interplanetary probes, think about the, the mid-70s, you know, the, the first human-made objects getting to Mars and going even further in the solar system. So people were thinking pretty hard, how do you communicate potentially with, with fellow astronauts if they're on some long journey? Yeah. And the same idea, if, if you hop them up on LSD and coordinate some brain <laughs> molecules, then they could perhaps communicate this. Now, now it turns out they can't. And but but I want to give credit to to this enterprising. This person's named Jack Sarfati, who's a person I wrote about, and he had a whole circle uh, of colleagues. And and we now the reason we have confidence this proposal will not work is because that same group kept pushing on it, and other members of the group would kind of shoot it down and find holes in it. It was a kind of cat and mouse game of of thought experiment and, and counter thought experiment, which overall I think was actually quite productive. Some of them sound pretty outrageous or a little kind of strange sounding. Certainly, imagine certainly using their imaginations. Let's give them an A plus for that. And and the and the reason it won't work is not just because it sounds funny. It's because of very hard to figure out physical principles that this group played a really you know kind of uh, 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 significant role in helping to catalyze. Sometimes members of that group themselves found the the the, the no go, the loophole. Sometimes they they put it front of mind for other physicists, and they said, "Oh, actually, hang on, you you missed this point." But it was it was trying to push on those ideas in ways that were both kind of disciplined. They had PhDs in physics and had done their homework, but also pretty open minded and sometimes really very. Mm -hmm playful. Mm -hmm. I love that episode of, of the kind of very colorful tie-dyed 70s. So so unfortunately for Matt, and perhaps for the CIA, uh, this seems uh, from our current best understanding, this actually w would not work. Okay, so if I'm sitting in Langley mm -hmm. and I'm the, the home base agent, right. high on LSD, um, <laughs> and Philip is high on LSD in Moscow. What if? It's a hypothetical. <laughs> what the if? <laughs> um, and our brains are entangled. There really is. A, so Philip's looking around, seeing all the sites in Moscow, looking at the nuclear launch codes. Um, and I'm back in Langley and I am I am seeing things, visions um, that don't particularly mean anything to me. It's just random visions. I don't know. Am I seeing like pink elephants kind of thing? Or am I seeing like the negative of what Philip is seeing? I, I, th I think, Matt, what you're seeing is locally induced hallucinations because of that LSD part. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is, um, unfortunately, it, for many reasons, it seems like this would not work at the scale of actual human brains. First sure. of all, the entanglement, it turns out, is pretty fragile. We work very, very hard in our experiments to to preserve that entanglement because anything else is, is it's easy to wash out that strange connected signal. Mm -hmm. So that's one challenge. We can do it under basically pristine laboratory conditions with single particles at a time where we can control almost everything about those particles' environments. What's hard to control, although maybe Matt will, will submit to this because he's so tired of quarantine, it's hard to control individual molecules in Matt's mind. It's a hot, wet, noisy place. I'm afraid that's true. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so it's an HWNP. <laughs>
that would work. I, that goes into the next paper. <laughs> and so, and these are exactly the kinds of things that tend to wash out that very kind of pristine but fragile entanglement. So one thing that's going to happen very quick on timescales, very likely to happen on very short timescales, is that the molecules that were so carefully, you know, tried to be kind of coordinated with, with the other persons, they're going to kind of relax, they're going to interact with their own immediate local environment. And that's going to kind of swamp or wash out the special kind of pristine connectedness. That's that's challenge number one. Maybe that's maybe we've already hit other challenges before we get to that one, given this scenario. But that's the kind of challenge that comes up. Um, and so 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 it's hard to know what you would see. You you would have, you know, at best you'd have a kind of very short-lived noise amidst the swamp of LSD-induced noise uh, in your otherwise you know hot wet brain. All right. So like, so maybe uh, we'd, we'd be in the lab at Langley setting it up. And it's like that episode of Star Trek where uh, they swap Captain Kirk's brain with somebody else's and this, this double sided table that they spin around. Mm -hmm. uh, turnabout intruder, if I remember correctly. Ooh, um, nice. uh, so then there'd be the, a moment uh, when our brains are linked up nicely. And then Philip like puts on his hat. And that disturbance to his brain ruins the whole connection. It's more likely that Philip doesn't even notice that um, something like a microsecond has gone by and the hot, wet neighboring molecules in his brain have already mo more likely overwhelmed it. And whether it's a, mic a microsecond or a millisecond, it'll be, mm -hmm. it'll be you know, probably shorter than a blink. All right. So we yeah. need a cold, dry, clean place. Yes, uh, that which helps. none of our minds are. Yeah. Sometimes much wondering, less than others. Mm -hmm. Even even more than a spy, <clears throat> for me, it would be more interesting to be able to, for instance, uh, drive the Mars rovers. Mm -hmm. Because there we have, uh, they're so far away, it's a 20-minute at best, 20-minute right. light difference. And because of that, that's why they have to be robots. Mm -hmm. That's a large part of the reason why they have to be robotic, because they kind of have to be able to move on their own, because we have... All the, the best we can do is say, uh, drive over there and um, do your best to avoid the rocks mm -hmm. in between here and there. Right. Whereas if we could connect with them in, uh, w do you call it real time? Or it's, it's somehow connect without the light mm -hmm. delay. Right. Um, this would be truly bizarre, right? This would be, you would have a presence in a way you, you wouldn't have otherwise and basically you could do that you so you could drive the drive the rover that would be a great aim for it again I, i've I've actually a good friend from college who, who has helped to drive those rovers on mars i asked him like to wait 40 minutes 20 minutes for your instructor to get there 20 minutes to get back saying did you fall over or not i have a different colleague at mit who's part of the team to this day who's been working on the voyager probes which have now left the solar system now that's that's an 18 hour one-way trip to get a, a, a signal back from the from that spacecraft, wouldn't it be nice to go instant rather than waiting eighteen hours for for a high sign? So you, again, you can see the the uh, if only one could get this to work, it would be great. It turns out it, it won't work. Again, I think it comes back to the kind of what you get on only one side is the noise. On the other hand, and I I don't want to end only on a downer or only leave people saying entanglement's only fun 
for experiments, which, by the way, it is. But <laughs> it, it's central in other ways. Other other aspects of the entanglement are being used all the time now uh, in, in other devices like uh, quantum encryption. So instead of being able to communicate instantaneously across arbitrary distance, we, we really don't think we can do that. We think that's not consistent with quantum mechanics. Uh, and it took work to figure that out. So that was far from obvious. But now with several more decades of hard work, we think that's not consistent. But we can use it to protect signals that we send up to and including the speed of light. So to encode them and to encrypt them in a way that would be unbreakable, not because of the kind of practicalities of our limited computers today, which can only kind of factorize large numbers, perform mathematical operations at some time-limited rate. They Instead, the, the secret codes for our encryption would be protected by the laws of nature themselves, that any effort to tap in, any eavesdropper, would immediately announce her presence and destroy the signal she hoped to find. That's pretty foolproof encryption, if we can get that to work. And there are many, many uh, you know, post-beta test versions of doing that in the real world, in messy cities, in fiber optics, and in, in getting closer to, like, to real-world rollout. In fact, my favorite example, the most ambitious, and really now literally otherworldly, at least out of this world, uh, is a demonstration that was done about two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, by some colleagues I, I work closely with. I didn't work on this directly, but I, but friends of mine did. And that's using a satellite, a dedicated satellite that is even right now in low Earth orbit. It's called the Mesius satellite. It was launched by the Chinese Academy of Sciences to, to conduct experiments on quantum entanglement and then to build an actual communication network transcontinental. So it's beaming down pairs of the same kinds of particles we'd use in our experiment, polarization and tangled photons, beams of light prepared in a special way. But now it's so high up, it can it can reach such distances on the, on the surface of the Earth, you can go tr literally transcontinental. And so one thing the group did, there's a group led, by the way, by Professor Jean-Wei Pan, and he's a very large, very active group. They're really, they're wizards, they're doing amazing things. Uh, yeah. it, and so first, one of the first things they did with this pretty cool device was conduct a test of entanglement of the sort that people have been doing now for, as I say, nearly 50 years, but with detectors that were 1,200 kilometers apart. And doing the same thing, that kind of newlywed game, asking questions that couldn't be known in advance and comparing the answers. Uh, and, and, and entanglement was, was clearly, clearly beautifully in evidence there across, you know, 1,200 kilometer distant detectors. Then they said, okay, so that's cool. We know we have entangled particles. Well, that was a good test. Now let's, now let's do something with it. Let's put them to work. Uh, Jean-Wei Pan's group, working closely with Anton Seilinger's group. Anton is a, a dear colleague of mine. We work together on other experiments, uh, and he's been a master at this uh, in this field for, uh, for a long time. He's based uh, in, in Vienna, uh, and so with a group based in Austria, working with a group in China, they, had, they were able to use that same satellite, the same signal coming satellite, to have a quantum-encrypted video chat and I like to say that was before we all had to. Right now we're all doing video chats because we can't right. talk. They did this uh, demonstration uh, some some time ago, a year and a half or two years ago, uh, and they were uh, in protecting their the all the bits, all the little information that had to go from one computer eventually get transmitted to the other. That was an encrypted signal. They were refreshing it with a new secret code every second over a seventy-five minute phone call. And the secret code came from the secret correlations of those entangled particles. So the Mesius satellites beaming down these entangled particles, they're locally performing measurements. Now they have information about the partner particle as far away. They can't uh, sort of change its behavior, but they, they have access to information that no one else on Earth 
would have access to. And so they didn't hear from 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 China, you know, instantly. They heard from the satellite at the same time China heard from the satellite. Right? And this would make Zoom bombing impossible. Yes, not only is it possible for two reasons: any effort to Zoom bomb would uh, be instantly detectable, even before the, the naked body showed up on your screen. Uh, and number two, and perhaps more important, it would destroy the signal that you were trying to, to hack into in the first place. Nice. So you, it, the eavesdropping announces itself because it starts changing the properties of those entangled particles. So the particles no longer, the answers no longer line up with each other. So you therefore no longer trust your secret code because your basis for sending secret messages no longer lines up. It's, it's the utmost, it's the highest of high tech, right? the greatest scientist in the world. It is also the most insane Rube Goldberg type <laughs> thing imaginable. It's Terry Gilliam-esque. We put a, you know, it's, it's like- <laughs> a satellite uh, in Vienna. Right, like the first episode of uh, Big Bang Theory where they uh, they try to figure out how to turn on a lamp by using their computer by, or you know, by sending the signal all the way That's around right. the world just because you could. All right. But at least we can get cryptography out of this, which means we can still base a James Bond movie. Um, Absolutely. And tackle yes. one, right? Okay, because that's really yep. what this is. Speaking of funding, this is what it all comes down to. It, right. it, has, it has lasers and satellites. I'm in. Right? I'm still in. Daniel Craig is back. Yeah. Also, by the way, another version of it's interesting that you, you can't zoom bomb. Likewise, if you were using that system, it sounds like if your intention was, and I don't know anyone that would do this, mm. if your intention was to send a naked picture across the video chat, but you really don't want anyone else to see it except for the intended recipient, you would know. If someone had interfered with it instantly, you would... Uh, yes, yes. And, and in this case, again, ha happily enough, um, no one would get the naked picture, which is probably the best outcome. So the eavesdropper wouldn't get it, but nor would your um, soon-to-be-very-sad intended recipient. <laughs> so it was actually the best outcome possible. Like, why did you send me static? <laughs> right. Trust me, it was the best possible thing I could have said. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate <laughs> static noise as much as the next person, but please stop yeah. sending it to me. That's right. Yeah, many a politician's career might have been saved right. by the satellite, by the Chinese satellite. One more reason, if I may, that, that we should be investing in quantum mechanics. I mean, this is one more yeah, reason. Absolutely. It's our, our, our policymakers. It's in their own best interest. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. All right. This was this was amazing. Honestly, was this is right. one of the yeah, and one of the clearest, most vivid sort of depictions of of this whole phenomenon that I've ever. Yeah, I actually feel like I I can grasp uh, some of these. Yeah, and if you would like the uh, as, as I recall, Dave's new book, Quantum Legacies, has the uh, example in it. Does it not? It does. One of the chapters is is called Quantum Theory by Starlight, and it's about these experiments that I got to do with Anton Zeilinger and a whole team, twenty of us. It was a big international team to test this strange phenomenon using um, some of the oldest light in the cosmos from very very distant quasars on the top of a beautiful mountaintop observatory. It was really hands down one of the top adventures of my life. I always have to say one of because, you know, because of twins know I have to answer to. <laughs> Other things have been very special to me in my life. Uh, but that is, that makes the, that makes the list. So that's right. So that is, I do write about yeah, that. So, in, so if you want to go through that uh, thought experiment at your own speed, I should say that chapter is my single favorite um, explanation and description of entanglement out there. Um, I've read a lot of them over the years and this is, uh, the, the book is worth getting for that alone. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. And the title again, 
Uh, the title is Quantum Legacies, Dispatches from an Uncertain World. Okay. Wonderful. Available on Amazon? And wherever you know, books are sold. Uh, in, independent booksellers, it's in stock. Uh, yep, it's making its way out in the world. Yes, and I will say that uh, my local, well, one of our little, little neighborhood local booksellers is still, actually, there's a couple stores like that, open and making deliveries. Oh, wow. So, you know, you can get that. Um, and uh, yes, and of course, available uh, everywhere on your gigantic mega stores as well, mm -hmm. probably even on Mars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we won't know for 40 more minutes. It'll be there in 40 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Matt, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, coming up? No, I got nothing. Well, let's plug it. Matt also has a phenomenal book out as well called Einstein's War. Oh, well, actually, that's true. Einstein's War Speaking came of Einstein. out in paperback um, just two days ago. That's uh, available everywhere. Uh, David, would you, besides the book, do you have any uh, events coming up or, or things you'd like to plug? Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> to hopefully happier times for all of us, easier times for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, no, you know, there's, well, okay, here's here's a, a little shameless plug. Um, there was a, um, a Nova film, the, the, the nice folks at Nova, you know, the huh? science documentaries. There was a, yeah. a film I, uh, that I... Um, quite enjoyed uh, about our about quantum entanglement and it featured among oh. other things our experiment and the Mesius satellite and it's a, oh, it's a lovely one hour documentary and I, I just happen to notice you know every now and then it goes back behind a, a kind of paywall for PBS subscribers and sometimes <laughs> it gets brought back without that mm -hmm. and as of a day or two ago it was re-released into the wild I think as many of you might know I think Nova is 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 um making more content available for free i think partly because everyone you know some of you are, are are staying at home and looking for nice things to watch so so yeah. that's a film that i i uh, it's a little it's, it's quite self-serving i i helped uh, work on it and it features uh you know my, my own group's work but i actually i really enjoyed it uh, and um it does have i think some truly stunning breathtaking footage of the mountaintop observatory above the cloud line it's just it takes my breath away when i watch it again and again so the film is called einstein's quantum riddle uh, oh. And as I say, it's a Nova film one-hour documentary. And if you if you Google that title, hopefully you'll, you'll find a way to, to access the film. Thank you, Matt, for bringing David on. David, fantastic. I would love to have you back. It was a real again. treat. Thanks so much. I, I had a great time. Yeah, thanks uh, a lot. Dave. Stay well. Now, does David know about our closing ritual? I don't think so, actually, Dave. So um, you're going to be conscripted into our closing ritual. As we confront the, the myriad ifs we may have to deal with next week, uh, we shout the name of the show. We're in horror and shock. Yes, yes, with a slight tingling of the many worlds hypothesis, <laughs> yeah. filling us with dread. <laughs> And here we go. If you would join us, and those of you who have been listening to, you know what to do. Join us. Here we go. Whoa!